Right, good evening, good evening, and welcome back to my second hour on air with you, right here on Radio Pulpit 657 AM. An amazing privilege and honor to be spending time with you tonight. What an hour of sport we just had. It's been a jam, jam, jam packed hour of sport, and um, I am so blessed to uh, be joined by my co-host Rake XTN every Monday evening. And it's so awesome to think that our sport talents comes from the Lord and we definitely don't have to shy away from the fact that God has blessed us with those talents. You are tuned in right now to Filling the Gap with me, Dwayne von Rensburg. For the next hour up until 8 o'clock, I'll be chatting with you. And I can't wait to talk about this evening's content. It is Leadership. And I'll shortly introduce my guest. It's the third time that this specific guest will make an appearance on my show. And I'm so excited for what the future holds for this guest on my show, given the fact that um, my guest will be on our show once a month. And I'm very, very excited about that. All right, so before we get this show going and before I say hello to my guest that's logged in right now via Zoom, um, I firstly just want to welcome all of our listeners from all around the world. A special shout out, of course, to Chris Scholes joining us all the way from Australia tonight as he's working night shift. Ashal Wistazen in Mumbai in India just sent me a message. Dwayne, so awesome to be tuning in, thinking about you guys in South Africa. Thank you, Charles, for the Woods Cup. And then, of course, we've got people tonight tuned in from Israel. Can you believe it? South African contingency in Israel that's tuned in tonight. And we are so blessed having all of you a part of tonight's show. So if you want to be part of this evening's program, myself and my guest, who I will be um, introducing shortly, please send us a WhatsApp. Our WhatsApp line is open on 0826572729. I'll repeat that, 0826572729, if you want to ask either me or specifically my guest a question. Right, so I think it's time for us to get this show on the road. I'm always excited to welcome my guest. I hope my guest can hear me on the other side of the Zoom call. Um, But it is a privilege once again to be welcoming Dr. Sam Ndoga. Dr. Sam is the principal of the Reaching a Generation uh, let me just get the correct words. I want to honor this person because um, I've got so much to learn from this wise person. He is the principal of Reaching a Generation Leadership Academy. Boom, I've got that correct. It's a mouthful, but it is a privilege. Dr. Sam, it is once again a privilege for me to be talking to you. How are you, my brother? Dwayne, I am doing fantastically well, but so much better for hearing your voice uh, <laughs> back online. It's awesome to have you back. Oh, thank you, Doc. Yes, I was um, off air for almost a month. Can you believe that COVID, COVID played a role in my life? But uh, praise the Lord, by the grace of God, I'm through it and I'm ready to go again. Oh, you're going to be one of those safe people to be around, right? <laughs> well, let me put it to you this way. If I ever thought that COVID is a joke, I promise you, Dr. Sam, that's not the case anymore. I felt COVID and I felt it hard. Well, good. I mean, you are an overcomer, so I'm just so thrilled that you can be on the other side of this, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Sam, we've actually got quite, uh, um, I don't want to say heavy content because I'm actually excited about tonight's content. But just to give the listeners a bit of perspective, we're going to talk a bit about leadership tonight. And Dr. Sam, I don't know if, if this is perhaps what you had in mind for the evening, but something for me, just to start the show, that is of great concern is 
when we read Proverbs 22, chapter 6, when it says, train up a child of the way it should go, then God has given us instruction to show children how to do things because they don't know. And then you go further, and then someone like Joyce Meyer and Pastor T.D. Jakes would say that if you do not train your child, the world will gladly do it for you. Now, as an introduction to tonight's show, my concern is when we have a look at what's going on in South Africa right now, the scary fact that came out was that more than 50% of the recent looting that took place was done by children younger than 18 years old, and the majority of them were escorted by their parents. Dr. Sam, this is concerning if it comes to leadership and training up children. Well, I think that's partly why I wanted us to have this discussion tonight, because um, what has really emerged uh, from the last week is uh, not only disturbing, but highly concerning if you process that uh, the approval of what should really be um, deplorable was under the watchful eyes of um, responsible parents or people who should be responsible parents. I remember reading a book years ago by Chuck Swindle on the quest for character and and what he said was that um, what we uh, think we are training our children to do is not always done verbally. It's actually caught. Mm. In other words, they learn more from what we do than they do from what we say. Mm. So if our actions are speaking louder than our words, we should not be... Uh, surprised by this development because if these children had been taught otherwise, they would have actually resisted where their parents were taking them. The reason they were in sync, in in concert with what was taking place was they'd seen it before. Mm. So it was normal. Yeah. It was normal. Yeah. But doc, that is that, that is that is quite concerning because um, I listened I listened to uh, uh, Professor Jonathan Janssen, and Jonathan Janssen said that so often we we throw a rock into the water, and we think that the rock splashed once, boom, and that's it. But very seldom do we think about the ripple effect of the rock that's being thrown in the water. And for the entire world, every country's armies now to come to come to come stop the situation. It it's still concerning because years from now, the ripple effect of a weekend's looting um, showed children in future how to deal with poverty. And this is not as much a one-off situation. This is a ripple effect where younger generation has been taught that by looting, you can, that's the solution to poverty. This is, this is pretty concerning if I listen to what Jonathan Janssen had to say. So the, the ripple is, uh, is on two sides. It's what has happened leading to the event and what happens after the fact. So it's a ripple that's two-sided. 
So what has been happening leading to this event, and this is now the seismic action of what it translated to, is equally concerning because it's going to be, firstly, uh, a lot of things that now need to be unlearned, and that's harder than learning. Unlearning is a much harder process to engage anyone with Mm. as much as it you know learning learning is easy unlearning it's uh i think we've got the expression you can't teach an old dog new tricks mm. because that's what the process of unlearning entails so people are gridlocked in a worldview in a way of processing in a way of seeing that post this event to try and give them a new way of seeing that's contrary to what has been loaded into their framework. Uh, my friend, that's, that's a huge challenge. Now, that process now of this ripple involves relearning, relearning. Now, that's even more exhausting. It can be done, but it's exhausting. It's, it's what I find many times at, at university. You have this young person and they are at the highest institution of learning and you would think that um, with that privilege, they would grab everything they have to really run forward. Do you know that 50% of our students drop off in the first year? 50%. Mm. Mm, that's a lot. Because it's it's not because there's something wrong with the university. It's that process of now trying to fit in this new environment that requires a whole set of skills mm. for them to now thrive in that environment because maybe the worldview that brought them there and the skills necessary to survive are just not there. Mm. 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 It's not there. That's <laughs> sure, Doc. That is that's very powerful. But let's but let's let's take leadership a bit further, Doc. Because what is leadership then, and and how best do we present the concept to a younger audience? Because surely, the way that we went about the looting, and we presented something to younger audience that is dangerous for the future of South Africa, as we're talking about the ripple effect. So, Doc, how do we present the concept of? Of, of this to younger audience? So let's look at it in practical terms before I give you a definition. Whenever there was a challenge, God raised a leader. That's the constant. You will see throughout scripture, throughout life, when there's a challenge, you need a leader. Mm. So by definition, a leader is someone with capacity to solve challenges. Because without a challenge, actually leadership is unnecessary. If South Africa was doing well, we would not need a president or a cabinet or parliamentarians or um, all different levels of leadership across society. Why? Why? We're doing well. We, we don't need anything. So, so leaders, 
come into a context that has challenges and takes people out of those challenges very practically uh, when the children of Israel were in bondage in Egypt God raised Moses to take them out mm. and, and that that is all he had to do was to take them out so leadership is really about problem solving and, and why that's important Dwayne for us to process even when you think about that concept of training a child that you started with, by and large, when you look at the book of Proverbs in its totality, it's actually a puzzle of problems that become more and more complex as this child is getting older and they're more and more exposed to these realities that they need to weigh and mm. make a decision. Mm. If you read the, even the first seven verses of the book of Proverbs, it, it orients you towards this problem-solving kind of matrix, which, if you ask me, it's almost like you, you are solving very, very serious things. I mean, if, if they taught me mathematics when I was in school, uh, in the way that I understand today that it's actually a problem-solving uh, mechanism, I would have passed my mathematics with higher grades than I did. So, but if you, <laughs> if you listen to Proverbs, he says, for the attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right, just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple knowledge and discretion to the young men. So those are the intentions or outcomes that are, are necessary. How do you do that? So verse 5 and 6 then says, listen to the wise and add to your learning. Let the discerning get guidance. How? For understanding proverbs. Proverbs are the statements of wisdom, parables, these are illustrative materials, sayings. These are words that you need to figure out what the truth is. Riddles, riddles are like equations. Look at all that. It's mm. about engaging a young person to be exposed to these different devices that will teach them problem-solving skills. Mm. Embedded in that is what leadership is all about. Because think about it, if Moses couldn't read maps, <laughs> so, so. how could he lead the children of Israel anyway? So. If Moses didn't have survival skills in the wilderness, how could he lead a nation there? So how did God prepare him? The first 40 years was in the palace. And the scriptures tells us that Moses learned all the skills, educational skills of the pharaohs. So he was exposed to the highest level of intelligence in the palace. The next 40 years, God made him a shepherd. Why? Well, he spent 40 years in the very wilderness where he was going to lead these people. And then the last 40 years of his life is uh, implementation. Sure. Sure, that's powerful. Sure. That's powerful, Doc. <laughs> well, that's what leadership really is all about. So 
we, we don't look leadership as a as a position when somebody is now sitting in some office and we now call them a leader no it's it's a whole package it's all of your life the skills that you have accumulated you know i i, I love watching uh bear grills because i mean he gets into these impossible situations and mm. he shows you how to survive mm. in in those situations the kinds of places you would find food where there is none the kind of shelter you know you build or make up with materials that are around him those are survival skills that most of us if we were exposed to be even a couple of hours of those extreme situations that he navigates through we would not survive why we have not found uh the problem solving uh skills necessary to survive in the very same environment so leadership is that exceptional skill so doc i recently read an article in um I'm not going to do direct quotation because I'm going to have it all wrong. I just want to give you the, the, the roughly the, the a brief of what the the argument said. It says that a lot of people try to avoid conflict. A lot of people try to run away from chaos and run away from fights, run away from conflict. But if you understand uh, conflict in the correct way, conflict forces confrontation. And confrontation points out problems which forces change. And, yeah. and, and it's not always necessarily being viewed as negative. And the specific article that I read said that this is the difference between someone that wants to be led and someone that wants to lead. Someone that wants to be led will avoid these conflicts. But someone that wants to lead will take these conflicts turn it into confrontation, turn it into change. Did I sum that up correctly, Doc? Oh, yeah. So I, I did a training very recently for uh, a, a group of um, investment managers in Cape Town, and they asked me uh, what I wanted to do with them. I said something unusual um, and something that you don't hear about in your leadership circles all the time. And, and I said it's summary word is attitude and so they, they had to ask me several times mm. to say well, what are we going to learn about attitude and i said well you need a challenge embracing attitude mm. because without it you will not survive as a leader because that's all you're going to have now when people see uh, the president today and ask for his time, they're not asking for his time to have an autograph. They will ask for his time to present a problem. So in turn, he would provide a solution. They're not going to see him because he's just a good guy to have around. No, they're going to see him because there's something that they believe he has capacity to solve. So what you're describing is very consistent with what we see in the phenomenon of leadership where people whose attitudes towards challenges is not where it ought to be they refrain from taking on leadership responsibility and that's how you distinguish who is a leader in the room and who isn't a leader will see a challenge and will do something about it 
a person who is not a leader is usually a commentator. <laughs> they will talk about the problems. I mean, you have had those conversations with people, haven't you? Mm. Where they will tell you about all the problems in South Africa. A problem in this country is this. A problem in this country is that. A problem with this situation is that. But during 10, 15, 20 years down the line, they will still be telling you what the problems are. Now, leaders get going in terms of providing solutions. Mm. That's what leaders do. Absolutely. It's about fixing those those issues. There was a tree that fell our street, um, across our street the other day, and, um, and, and I was coming from somewhere and I saw this tree. And so I stopped, um, checked uh, with my neighbor, and I said, what's happening? He said, oh, the tree fell on its own. And I said, so what's going on? He says, oh, well, it's outside my yard. It's the municipal's problem. I said, oh, okay, I understand. If you call them or let them know, I said, ah, oh, no, it's, it's their problem. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Well, this tree was going to stand in our way all the time because someone decided it was not their problem. So I called the municipal authorities immediately and just said, there's a tree on Maria Street and falling across the road. Um, I'm not so sure how long it's been lying there, but is there any way it can be removed? And the guy says, no, 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 we've got a department that takes care of that. If they're not there within within an hour, please call us back with this reference. Problem solved. Sure. We could have been sitting with this problem forever because it's not mine. That's the attitude of people who have not yet embraced this capacity for solving problems. It will always be there and people will always talk and comment, but nothing changes. That's the truth, Doc. It makes me think of a conversation I had recently uh, where I asked someone, well, when someone spoke to me about all the concerns with with the country right now, and the person went on and on and on and on and on about all the mistakes and how everybody um, makes all the wrong decisions. And then I asked the person for interest's sake, did you go vote? And then the person answered me, no, I didn't, because I'm not voting in this corrupt country. But, but my view is that if you want to have your say, go make your cross. Because if, if everyone's view is that my vote won't count, it's not my job to pick up the paper, it's not in my yard, then we will have a country in chaos, if that is the attitude of the general society. Well, uh, Dwayne, I will take it a step further uh, and ask you, why are you not even considering running and representing the ideal that you'd like to see? Because it's not good enough to think if I vote for somebody, then this person, and sometimes let's be, let's be honest, uh, we are expecting righteousness from people who are decidedly wicked. So even if you vote for them, mm. what's going to come out is exactly who they are. So it's time for us to start realizing that if we're going to see the right kind of leaders in 
positions of influence in our society is uh, what the Bible says, when the righteous rule, then the people rejoice. But the opposite is also a reality. When the wicked rule, the people groan. It's about time for us to really come out and realize we can complain all we want. The people that are in positions of leadership right now, uh, <laughs> uh, you, you can complain all you want. They are being consistent with who they are. Sure. Sure. That's very powerful. Okay, Doc, listen, listen. this evening's going to catch up with us. We've got so much more to do. We, we're going to take a break shortly, but before we take a break, Doc, let's quickly touch these two questions in one because that now leaves us with the question that, number one, um, who's currently preparing our youth for leadership? But, but hold on, what does it take to mentor and prepare young people for leadership? Because there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a big catch-22 situation here because in the one question I'm asking you that who is currently preparing our leadership, our youth for leadership? But on the second question, I'm asking you, what does it actually really take to mentor and prepare young people for leadership? So, uh, the, when you ask your, you know, your, your son or daughter, uh, who, who is your hero, um, <laughs> when they're young, they'll probably say mommy or daddy, right? Um, and then uh, maybe when they are getting a little older, uh, they realize our ah, mommy and daddy is not so great. Oh, <laughs> 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 they will probably. All right, let's just see. I think for a moment there, I lost Doc. Doc, I don't know if you can still hear me. Um, Let's just wait and see. All right, I can't okay, get, can get. I can hear you, Doc. There we go. All right, sorry, sorry, sorry. Okay, so let me let me rephrase. Uh, I'm saying when you have your children, when they're young, when you ask them who their hero is, they'll probably say mommy or daddy. They'll choose one or the or one or the other. As they get they get a little older and they get more exposed to the world, they'll probably choose some historical character that they've come across. Um, you know, and then um, when they get much older, uh, then uh, they, they, they're not so sure anymore. Mm. So what basically is, is, is happening in, in, in most of this is at a young age, when our children are under our tutelage, they see us as heroes. Why? Because we answer everything they ask because we actually have an answer. Mm. But as they grow older and they ask us more complex questions for where they are at, we stop providing answers because we think they are just being curious, inquisitive, all a nuisance. They're going to find those answers elsewhere. Mm. This person that's now becoming the portraiture of the answers they're looking for is the one they think is a leader or a hero or whatever. Mm. When they get much older and nobody is providing those answers to even much more complex questions down the line, basically means they no longer have anyone they look up to. 
to answer your question, had these parents been developing in the way that their children will always look up to them, they will always catch what leadership is all about, why they have models, living models of what leadership is all about, because it's, it's about all of life. Mm. Now, some of the most stable people I've come across when I've asked them that question, who is your hero? They'll say, my dad. And you find those people who are much older when they answer that question that way and you look into their own lives, you see a solid, well-rounded, uh, well-meaning person, an individual is goals. Why? Or they didn't need to go search for answers. The answers were always being provided and modeled by their parents. We go back to that scripture, train a child in the way they should go. That's basically what has happened. And, and in this case, it has happened throughout life. Now, for a person who didn't have that modeling by their parents, what you then find is they are looking for answers. And they start looking for answers in places where they don't find them. Mm. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, there was um, um, this person who was a sociologist. He studied, uh, he looked at a study of some inmates. And he discovered that uh, these, these inmates were from across the different racial groups, but of the 60,000 inmates, there were only two that were Jewish, and he was stunned. How can everybody else be well represented and there are only two Jewish inmates? So he went into the history of the Jews, the Jewish people and their culture, and discovered that a Jewish man lives for his children. He tells his son, everything I have is yours. He hugs and kisses him every day without fail and reminds him, everything I have is yours. The conclusion of this sociologist was, who would run away from such captive love? Oh. That's why you find a solid and balanced culture amongst these people. Why? Well, the father raises a business simply for his son to take over. So, Who would run away from such love. Now, if your dad, for example, and my dad had built this empire and when he passed on and said, it's yours, would you be dis disrespectful and demeaning uh, to your father? Absolutely not. If I asked you who is your hero, who do you say? Up until this day, still my father. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So that should be the norm. Mm. That should be the norm. If our children are being raised elsewhere, we have no control over the inputs, just as we won't have control 
over the outputs. Now, I can say the same like you. My dad, I celebrate him, you know, because from the day I was born, he exposed us to Christ and exposed us to this way of living that really curbed us from the many things that I saw some of the young people I grew up with grew up with from an early age we started smoking and drinking and sleeping around and doing all those things we had been brought up in a culture that said you know this is how you get married this is when you get married this is what life is all about so those ideals were so entrenched that you did not try anything else. That that was that was the upbringing. So so because of that input, we were so decidedly set on this way, on this pathway that had been charted charted for us, and and that's basically how we should be answering that question. If every parent around took so seriously the responsibility of raising a child. And by the way, leadership is not a position at all. Mm. It is a disposition. It's a way of thinking. It's a way of looking at at life. Mm. If we raise our children with a particular orientation of how best to prepare them for what life is all about, then we have raised leaders how does paul commend timothy that faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother that is now in you he had inherited this strong a legacy of women of faith that it had an imprint on him that's why paul could say my beloved son is proud of his protege because he was not a piece of work. <laughs> he mm. was a joy and a privilege to lead. Yeah. You're tuning to Radio Pulpit 657 AM with me, Dwayne van Rensburg with Filling the Gap. And I am so blessed being joined by Dr. Sam from Reaching a Generation. Uh, every single time Dr. Sam visits me on air, it is almost as if we run out of time. It seems like we're going to have longer shows, but nevertheless, Dr. Sam, I'm still enjoying you on the show. Thanks for your presence tonight. That's awesome to be here, and thank you for, for the grace. You know, really, really awesome. Right, Doc, so we've got roughly about 13, 14 minutes left, and I still have three very important questions to ask. So let's try and get through them. Uh, well, it's actually four. My next one is, uh, what are the leadership qualities that we need to focus on then? <laughs> Dwayne, uh, the, the first thing I, I would put up there is understanding authority. Now, when, when I put it like that, some people think I should say understanding God. Well, actually, that's what it implies because mm. once you realize that all authority is vested in God, in heaven and on earth and anywhere else, uh, understanding that will then make you realize the the related thing that God then has delegated authority. So delegated authority would be uh, when you're young, it would be your parents. 
and then as you grow older, it will be your teachers and it will be your lecturers. It will be uh, your boss and, you know, and the list can, can go on. Why is this important? Until you appreciate uh, the fact of being under authority, you will never quite be able to exercise authority. Sure. That's why you will find you can get uh, a person who gets married and being a husband is, is being in a position of responsibility and authority, but they become abusive. Why? Well, you backtrack into the upbringing and you find that, oh, this person uh, was given the wrong picture of being under authority. I mean, it's almost like what we, we, we have seen when you've studied, uh, studied certain uh, leadership characters where you find that this person is so bossy. You know, you've got those leaders that are just, just so, so bossy. And you find that when they were being raised, that they were spoiled rotten or were, were given a raise under this sense of entitlement and stuff like that. And then when they become a leader, then you see these anomalies. Uh, it's because they never understood what it was like to be under authority. Now, <laughs> when I was growing up, my mom just said to look my way. If I was misbehaving in <laughs> any way, she just looked. And that would bring me in line immediately. I call mm. it the remote control, you know, effect. <laughs> uh, she didn't need to say anything. Mm. So I learned to be under authority. What does that mean? Well, the benefit of that is when I'm now in a position of authority, I can exercise that authority responsibly. Now, my mom would not shout at me. So shouting at my daughter is not my culture. Why? I was learned, uh, I was raised in a way that being under authority prepared me for exercising the same authority when it was now delegated to me. And that applies to right across all of life. So when you find leaders that uh, can't handle power, can't handle position, can't handle uh, resources and, and so forth, it's all in the exposure they had to authority. Now, Sometimes, even as an adult, I uh, if I think about doing something that I shouldn't, you know, I'm like, oh, my mom will give me a hard time. <laughs> you know, and sometimes, no, 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 I can't do this because God. Because learning to be under authority mm. teaches you to exercise authority yourself. Mm. Related to that, number two is obedience. Mm. Obedience. In fact, it's almost all we are called to do. Think about it. Mm. God, when he created us, he gave us a set of rules, regulations to live by, his scriptures, which is the constitution of life. All you are required to do is to do what this book says, and then you make it in life. Mm. So obedience, simple. Obedience, do what he says. When did we first mess up when we disobeyed? Mm. Just 
It's when we learn to obey, to obey God, uh, to obey our parents. <laughs> it will be naturally easier for us to for everything else to line up. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Uh, you know, and, and he says, this is the first uh, commandment that comes with the promise so that everything will go well with you in your life. Well, um, God is our father. So the model of obedience is obeying our parents will make it easier for us to obey God. Mm. So we're coming all the way back into the home more and more again because that's really where we need to get it right. Now, mm. when we learn obedience, what develops in us are two things. Character mm. and responsibility. Mm. Character and responsibility. Character is we. Uh, some people come to me and say, ah, I know you're a doga. And I'm like, why? Why? He says, no, you behave like all of them. <laughs> oh. So people start to associate your name with a particular behavior because of the kind of relationship you had with your parents that kind of told you into a particular line. So the character is, is important because that's the sum total of who you are and who you're becoming. And out of that character flows your being, your essential being. Uh, I remember the words of, um, um, of uh, the great famous uh, evangelist who said, you know, when you, when you lose money, uh, you have lost nothing. When you use, lose your health, maybe something is lost. But when you lose your character, you have lost everything. Because character is destiny. So character teaches us about who we are. And then we can talk about responsibility. What is responsibility? Uh, today we have a skewed world that emphasizes rights. Mm. Friends, rights are not what will make this world function. Actually, responsibility. Mm. Mm. What is the first thing God gave men? He didn't give him rights. Look after the garden. So. Look after the garden. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's where he starts. Look after this garden. Responsibility. Eat all of this, but not that. Right? Mm. And that is what we need to bring back. You know, uh, the, by the way, uh, when he looked at the, the, the formation of a nation, uh, a, a recent study uh, said that some nations that still... Uh, exercise uh, national service are producing quality citizens. Sure. Because national service does not teach you rights. It teaches you responsibility. Mm. Teaches you responsibility. In Sweden, Sweden didn't have a lockdown, by the way, during this whole pandemic. So I asked one of my friends who is Swedish, and I said, how come you didn't have the lockdown and masks and all these things? He says, because we are a responsible people. Mm. <laughs> we are responsible people. Yeah, it's a way of Another life. Way, it's a way of life. It's not something that I need anyone to enforce on me. 
if we have to social distance, that's it. You just need to say it, and then we'll do it. Sure. But we don't need masks and all these instructions and protocols. You just say there's a disease. It's bad. It's going to take you this way. These are the precautions. That's all you need to say. We'll take responsibility for it. Sure. All right, brother. Now, listen, there. We've got we've got two minutes left. I'm sorry for interrupting you, but we've got sorry. two minutes. I'm going to ask you these questions, and then we're going to try and sum it up after that. But, um, doc, what yeah. difference does it make to invest in such preparation? And what biblical examples do we have? So, our success as a people actually depends on this, because no one is is uh you know somebody asked me the question are leaders born uh or, or developed well i've yet to meet a leader who wasn't born but, <laughs> 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 but just to say that birth alone does not make you a leader it's the sum total of the people god surrounds you with who prepare you for the various leadership roles that you're going to play so that's important for us to then say it's important then for us when we are raising leaders, the same reason Jesus would have spent time with 12 men and for three years did very little uh, other than invest in them to make them success stories. He could have just said on day one, you are now my uh, my protégés and evangelists, go and win the world. No, he delayed sending them until they were ready. That's why this is critical. Sure. You have to invest in people if you want certain outputs. So that goes without without saying we, we really, really have to invest in, in, in people. And who is supposed to do it? Well, we, are, we all have an obligation to, to do this for everybody. So for me, in my privileged position uh, and, and things I know, I can pass on to others and ensure that the things the Lord has uh, deposited in me, I can invest in others so that there are more success stories because that's what we really want to see. What's the difference? Well, think about Moses, who is a good example. When you come to Numbers 28, you know, most people uh, don't want to read actually Numbers 27 uh, from verse 12 to, to verse 23. Uh, the Lord tells Moses, go up the mountain and then uh, you, your life will come to an end uh, because of what you did. But I want you to take Joshua, the son of man, a, a man in whom this is the spirit. Lay your hands on him and take some of the spirit that is on you and deposit in this, in this man. What is that? A transference of what Moses had in terms of capacity mm. onto Joshua to make sure the journey that was now ending as far as Moses was concerned would not die with him, but there was this young man that would take over. But when you think about it, Joshua is mentioned first time all the way back in Exodus chapter 33 when they sent up this tent of meeting. It says Moses would go into the tent and meet with the Lord face to face. And then he says, but his aid, Joshua, would remain in the tent of meeting. When did Joshua start receiving preparation for leadership? Way back as a young man, before we even come to Numbers 27 when he's officially appointed. Moses was investing in this young man. So guess what? When Moses was talking to the Lord, who was there? Joshua. Joshua. 
Exacto. Because when the Lord left, he says, he remained in the tent of meeting. He was probably sitting there saying, oh man, one day, one day. <laughs> one day is going to be me doing this. So, so. Because Moses intentionally raised Joshua over the years oh, to that's be, that's awesome. why when you come to Numbers 12, 18, uh, he is one of the faithful spies. Why? He knew where they were going and what they needed to do. Sure. All right, Doc, can you believe it? Time's running out with us. Guys, I, um, I want to encourage you, if you want to get a hold of Dr. Sam, please send me a mail. Usually we end the show uh, giving our guest an opportunity to give a bit more about himself. Uh, unfortunately, time has caught up with us, but we are so overwhelmed with the joy of the Lord that we can't keep ourselves back. Uh, this was Dr. Dr. Sam Ndoga, the principal of Reaching a Generation Leadership Academy. Doc, I'll have to unfortunately say goodbye, but myself and you will be in contact again. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Thank you, brother. Bye-bye. All right, guys, that's the end of this awesome, awesome show. Uh, Dr. Sam, I absolutely love him, and I love spending time with him. Time has run out with us, and um, I have to say goodbye. Can you believe it? This was such a privilege. I feel so bad cutting Dr. Sam short, but unfortunately, we have to make way for, uh, for the next people who's on standby to uh, take you guys through the evening. Until next week, same time, same place. Love you guys, and can't wait to uh, spend time with you guys again next week. Bye-bye, guys.